Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenth. This Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for a spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I just happen to be a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of my Ryrie Study Bible. But you may use excuse me any Bible you wish. I have had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude, we will have ongoing Bible readings and also read from selected material. I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the simple message given to me that God is good. So let's say together as our opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide. Uh, this is an epidemic all over the world. Their, their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And we pray for all those suffering from violence here or abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body. We also pray for those who are lonely and uncomforted. And we ask God to please forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes and freedom from addiction from all kinds. Please, God, send your mighty angel, Archangel Michael, to fight against evil and protect us from the distorted and and evil people and spirits of the world. And and we do believe that people that have been killed and martyred are martyrs, and they're now all angels to watch over everyone. And we ask God to watch over them, particularly those who have been, lives have been lost due to martyrism in other lands. Our prayers also go out to all those who are suffering in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of the policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we pray that they make the best ones on our behalf. We also pray for the prisoners who, like Paul, are in prison for various reasons. And uh, whatever the reason, God, we ask for forgiveness and comfort for those that all may come to you. Through Jesus Christ, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this morning. And, uh, you know, I found a couple of sources. If you don't have a Bible there at home, we have the online source, www.biblia.com. And I just want to let you know that the opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD, Native Angels, by S-A-V, as in Victor, A-E. And you can get a copy by going to Save.org, or you can find one on Amazon where I found my copy. You can also listen to it for free, Save.org, or Save, excuse me, the band, and they do live shows. You can listen to it for free on YouTube. And this morning, I'd like to wish everybody a very happy and blessed birthday and a very prosperous year ahead. And uh, God bless you in very many ways. And, you know, we just made our way straight through the Bible, and now we're on and blessed to be on. The Thessalonians, and um, first I'm going to read the summary, and then we're going to read out of the Bible. Um, I'm going to do the, in- the, the introduction to this uh, from the Ribery Study Bible. It's talking about uh, the work at Thessalonia, and this is written by Paul in the year 51. The work at Thessalonia. Uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy 
first went to Macedonia, port city of Thessalonica, on the second missionary journey. And this was the second place the gospel was preached in Europe, Philippi being the first. Because of the preaching of the gospel depleted the ranks of the synagogue, the Jews charged Paul, Paul's host Jason, with harboring traitors to Caesar. The rulers of the city took Jason as security, like a peace bond, and let the missionaries leave the city. When they arrived in Athens, Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonia to encourage and then to report back on the condition of the church there. Timothy uh, rejoined Paul in Corinth and where the two Thessalonian letters were written. Some feel that Paul was in Thessalonica less than a month, month and only three Sabbaths were mentioned in Acts 17.2. He must, however, have been in extended ministry outside the synagogue and the British community since the church was largely Gentile. And then in any case, he was concerned about his parting under pressure and about leaving church without experienced leadership. Then Timothy's report gave Paul cause only to praise the healthy state of the church. This is a letter from a relieved and grateful pastor to his growing flock. And the purpose, in addition to expressing his thankfulness, Paul defended himself against a campaign to slander his ministry, which asserted that it is only done for profit. That he encouraged the new converts to stand not only against persecution, but also against the pressure to revert to their former pagan standards. He answered... Christians discussed some problems with their church that needed to be and that let me read uh, the summary that I have here from my Harvard student friends over at uh, smoop.com anyway so here it goes it's uh, Thessalonica home of those getting it right starts with a little intro. Greetings from Paul and his co-writers, Sylvanius and Timothy. The authors, yeah, but this is still kind of the Paul show. Anyway, Paul and friends were writing to a group of Christians in Thessalonica. And good news, he was just tickled pink with how things are going now. Paul says the Thessalonian Christians have been specially chosen by God. Hey, they thought the Jews were the chosen people, right? But also Thessalonians. Anyway, they not only understood the message of the gospel that Paul was brought the last time he was in town, but they all they all have the Holy Spirit too. And even though it hasn't been a smooth sailing when it comes to their relationships with the non-Christians in town, the Thessalonians are keeping the faith and inspiring other Christian communities throughout Greece. These guys and gals were real theological trendsetters. People everywhere kept telling Paul and company how awesome the Thessalonians are, they used to worship idols, and now they have put their faith in one true God and his son. They're also anxiously awaiting Jesus to come back to earth and rescue the all-faithful before God lays down the smackdown in the not-so-faithful. Oops. It's going to be great for the faithful, that is. Anyway, thanks to Schmoot.com. And so everybody, let's turn to our Bible, and uh, we have a, a short little letter here. And uh, it's first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. This is Paul, Sylvanius, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. Commendation to other two of the Thessalonians. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, this choice of you, 
And for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we, we proved to be among you for your sake. We also became imitators of us. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word with the tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you become an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Arcadia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Arcadia, but also in every place your faith for God, your faith towards God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report us that what kind of reception had we had with you and how you turned to God from idols and served and to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Anyway, that's a short, very pleasant letter, and we haven't had many of them. Paul's usually uh, upset about one thing or another. This time he's happy, and it was really nice to, to know that and read that letter that somehow his ministry is working. And then let's go back and read the notes. So Sylvanius is actually Silas who replaced Barnabas on the second missionary journey. And that uh, the and what we're talking about in 1-3 is steadfastness of hope, patient endurance while waiting for Christ's return. And remember, all these people were an example to us, and we've, they've carried it through the ages, and we still continue to follow, try to follow in their footsteps. Anyway, his choice. In relation to believers, God's choosing is sovereign. It is pre-temporal for his salvation, and... It is proved by the fruit that accompanies salvation. You can always tell when people have genuinely got this salvation because they are kind and loving and they know the Bible and they follow Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Imitators. The Thessalonian Christians imitated the Lord and the apostles in that they responded to the gospel in spite of affliction. So even though there are hardships, they still were responding in a positive way. Uh, an example, a pattern or a model. Macedonia was the northern province of Greece, and Acacia was the southern. And uh, echoed, reverberated. Paul's message was relayed by the Thessalonians to all of Greece. So that's how Greece got transformed to Christian. They themselves, people everywhere, gave testimony to the conversion of the Thessalonians, turned to God from idols. This church was composed largely of converts from pagan religions and not from Judaism. And then uh, it goes on to summarize the message Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy preached to serve as bond slaves, a living, in contrast to uh, lifeless idols, a living and true God, and then to wait. The Christian hope of the return of Christ is rooted in the fact that he was raised from the dead, he rescues the deliverer, and the wrath to come, and that means the judgment to come in the tribulation. They call this the wrath. And that will go on to Revelations as it reads later. And deliver from this world indicate a pre-tribulation rapture of believers. So that was 110. So let's read that 110 again. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Thank God. Amen. So that's the first letter to the Thessalonians. And uh, we'll be reading the first and second Thessalonians and uh, a few short chapters. And um, I do have something for us to read for today. And I was thinking, uh, I don't know if I can see this, but I really love his work on uh, Christianity and his thoughts and 
daily readings. And anyway, um, I was reading on the prediction of the second coming in his book, The Business of Heaven by C.S. Lewis. And uh, on on May 11th, it says, uh, Predictions of the Second Coming. And he says, many people find it difficult to believe that in this great event, without trying to guess its date, or even with accepting as a certainty the date that any quacker or hysteric offers them, to write a history of all those exploded predictions would need a book, and a sad, sordid, tragical comedy book it would be. One such prediction was circulating when St. Paul wrote his second letter to the Thessalonians. That's strange. It goes in with what our reading is. Anyway, someone had told them that the day was at hand. This was apparently having a result which such predictions usually have. People were idling and playing the busybody. One of the most famous predictions of the, of the poor, William Miller in 1843, Miller, whom I take to have been an honest fanatic, dated the second coming to the year, the day, and the very minute. A timely comet fostered the delusion. Thousands waited for the Lord at midnight, March 21st, and went home to a late breakfast on the 22nd, followed by the jeers of a drunkard. Wow, embarrassing. Anyway, clearly no one wishes to say anything that will reawaken such a mass hysteria. We must never speak to the simple, excitable people about the day without emphasizing again and again the utter impossibility of prediction. We must try to show them that the impossibility is an essential part of the doctrine. If you do not believe in our Lord's words, why do you believe in his return at all? True. And if you do do believe in them, you must not put away from you utterly and forever any hope of dating that return. His teaching is on the subject quite clearly consisted of three propositions. Now listen up, people. One, that he will certainly return. Two, that we cannot possibly find out when, and three, and that therefore we must always be ready for him. And that's as simple as that. And uh, I didn't know that it was going to go right along with our readings, and, but it really does. And I read it, and it meant, it meant a lot to me, and it's uh, short and sweet. So and let's go on to uh, read in our faithful, faithful, true blue guidepost. So I'm going to pick a story at random, as I usually do. And uh, I love this book. Let's see. So let me see here. So this is from Guidepost. And it's uh, actually what happens when love fails. And it's by Hannah Pearson, but her name has been changed. Anyway, let's move on. It's called When Love what happens when love fails? Katie and I were trapped in a pantry with our mother. She was giving us shots of blood-red vinegar. Even if I swallow quickly, the sharply acid taste remains in my mouth. She holds my face forward with her thumb and pushes it under my jawbone. I used to admire the crystal shot glasses kept from Grandma's cabinet, but now the glass is thick and cold as my mother forces a caustic punishment down my throat. It was a few years later. I'm eight. I am eight. I am sitting in the dining room table with Strong's exhaustive concordance of the Bible. It is an immense book with tiny type. There are no sentences, only phrases, abbreviations, and reference numbers. I love to read. I have a list of books I have read this year, but Strong's does not have stories in it. It's a leather-bound King James Bible that has stories in it, but my task is to find all the verses under the bold heading that reads, Tailbearer. 
after that, liar. When I write out the relevant Bible passages in their entirety, my only remorse is to do as I am told. So that may be that this does not happen again. It starts to get dark and my fingers hurt and I get thirsty. But I stay at the table until I'm all done. I accept these disciplinary measures, but not pain, but not painful like the under-the-chin punches that do not leave much of a visible mark. As I get older and the injustice strikes me harder, words cause me more pain. The words get last longer than the bruises. My mother wishes out loud that I had never been born. She destroys my confidence. I have developed a sort of cynicism. I doubt that people could honestly be good to me if they could like me. I have no sense of security or trust. I find a kitchen knife on the floor in my room and wonder what has contemplated while I slept. Sometimes I try to hide alone and scared in the dark, cold cellar or garage. Sometimes we fight all night. I struggle to get away, but she becomes bored and tired. It is futile for the 60-pound child to try to escape the bathroom when a large and strong woman blocks the door. Grandpa threatens to call the police, but he never does, and he's afraid of her, too. My head aches, welts rise on my arms, blood rushes to my face as I feel my cheek grow warm with her handprint. Her anger comes from something other than my failings. Something else sets her off, but she attacks Katie, Graham, and me. I am the strongest, the angriest, and I fight back. I do things to distract her from them, like throw her diet soda on her worn blue bathrobe, and then her hatred is turned to me. But I'm only a weak child, and I cannot do anything to make it all stop. Sometimes my mother speaks with no emotion, no expression on her face. It scares me when she's hollow like this, because I know she's agitated, perhaps on the verge of an explosive wrath. I do not want to upset her. I'm afraid of messing up. I'm always treading on thin ice. My efforts to avoid confrontation by careful obedience are doomed to fail. I have become a meticulous perfectionist, a neat child to those who do not know. People think I have good manners, that I'm unheard and unseen. I just watch. I have plenty of time to study my family members because I'm observant and sensitive to what the people in my house are feeling and thinking. It is like keeping track of the pieces on the chessboard. It is necessary that I know how each piece moves and how the opponent will react. I do not worry about winning. I'm just keeping myself out of check. I start sixth grade at a new school, and Katie goes too. I try not to be noticed. This is difficult because my class is small and the kids are nice to me. I go to their birthday parties and eat dinner at their houses, maybe like they like me a little. Their moms seem nice, but my mom can seem nice too. My teacher is more than just nice. She understands. Mrs. Hoffman must remember what it was like to be a kid. I work hard at school, and I do really well. Mom might not get so angry with me. Dad might notice that I exist. He might listen. He might be around more. He spends plenty of time with other, the other kids and directs the youth group at church. I bring home my perfect report card, but he does not say good job. I work hard anyway because I am learning. I am learning that there is much more that I want to know. Dad comes home late at night wearing his leather jacket from youth group. He smells like bowling alleys and pizza, and he sits on the edge of the bed. Dad says that Mom might have to go away for a while to get some help. Instead of this sudden information solving my problems, it adds to them. Information proceeding, don't let your mother know. Mother know is dangerous. If my conclusion was discovered later, the consequences would be severe. Katie is worried, and I try to comfort her. 
Mrs. Hoffman can tell I haven't slept, and she does not know that my mother had her hands around my throat last night. I want to talk to her to tell her some of what's going on. She goes with me to the headmaster. I cry because I know it may only get worse from here. They give me dry paper Kleenex, and when my dad picks Katie and me up from school, we cannot go home. Katie cries, and she does not want to leave Mom. My dad says he's taking us away, and we end up at a foster home in the next state. As a Christian family, they pray for us, and the family already has plenty of kids. Eventually, Dad, Katie, and I move back together without Mom. The next years are filled with lawyers and social workers, and a psychiatrist evaluates us. He says my sister and I are okay, and I think Katie and I have learned to cope with a lot. I have to go to court. One of my teachers gives us an index card with verses on it for courage, and these kind of verses from the Bible, not punishment or condemnation. They are not about talebearers. God says he will be there even when your father and your mother forsake you. I had not had a mother in an emotional sense. Now I know even I have had one that is physically present. She was absent from me. I am the oldest. I am independent and responsible. I have to be. Some of my friends have moms who wrap sandwiches in wax paper for brown bag lunches. Their mothers do laundry for them, come to their eighth grade graduation, and make sure their dresses fit. I buy fabric for my dress with my own money, and I sew it myself. I still have my dad, but he cannot fill the void that two parents should be. He is still the same. A woman who is also a youth group leader is my dad's wife now. My mother still haunts my daily existence. She calls my school, my house, my friends' mothers. She shows up at my church. She follows me and makes threats. She tells people I'm a terrible person, and she throws red punch they serve at church on our car. Restraining orders have only pieces of paper. She, When she is committed to a hospital, she just makes her more angry. Grandma says she's sick, and I should not hold it against her. Christ commanded us to love everyone. I go visit my mother. She is with the insane people on the 10th floor. I appease Graham. I should forgive her. Later, I think I do. It is difficult for me to love. I have started by accepting myself. Even though my mom wished I had not been born, I could not be happier to be alive. I have found that there are people who really do love me for who I am. To really love, I have to trust first. My trust is hard to earn because I have lost a lot by trusting a little. Maybe I'm not emotional because I do not find love quickly, but I'm emotional in the sense that I value love more because I perceive it as rare. God's love is abundant, yet rare in its perfection. I have been looking for faithfulness, unconditional love among my fellow imperfect beings. Now as I face questions about my future, I can look back and see how God has carried me through. He has been faithful. As, as I fall away, he calls me back. Sometimes I think I have to study and search for God when I receive a sign. When I stop searching, I just think about all that he has done for me. Faith, trust, and love can be so simple. It's a really a heart-wrenching story, and it's very, very similar to mine, unfortunately. But, you know, I weathered through, and, you know, I always had God since from a little child, and I always believed and had faith, and I still do. I love despite not being loved, and I have hope. It's just, uh, it's really remarkable when you think about it, that people are resilient and they keep going no matter what. They're thrown at them, and she's one of them, and this is so similar to my story, except I didn't have a father to take care of me either. But my father is now in heaven, and uh, we have made up, and uh, I'm thankful for everything I have today. I really do. And uh, I'm going to read this little Irish blessing. It reminds me of Mount Cassie. 
God for the good day, God for the bad day, God for the pleasure, God for the pain, God for the rain, God when our barns are empty, and God when they're full. That's Irish blessing. Amen. So God is the all in all, and have faith in Jesus. Never give up. And first of all, love. Love. Okay, I want to thank everybody for listening this morning. Uh, you've been awesome. And uh, thank you thank you so much of how many people listen when one for archive. And uh, I just want to let you know that I love you very much. God bless you, and I wish you a wonderful week. Happy birthday to all the birthday people. And now let's do our traditional signing off prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Let's come to you next week. We'll be back here having church with Shar at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Love you all. God bless you. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.